It's time for Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now let's have some fun. Here is your host, Johnny Johnny Radio. Johnny Radio. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome into a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio. It is a thirsty Thursday. I hope everybody's feeling as blessed as I do. Nothing like thirst traps, Tito's, retirements, and Tiger wins in overtime. Oh, that was a tough one last night. We're blessed today, by the way. We're, we're blessed every day. You know, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, today's a, is a gift. That's why they call it the present. I wonder if he's even hearing that. He knows where that came from, Malvin Massey. But it is a gift because we did get a Tiger win that was gifted to us. Unbelievable trap. And the other gift is it looks like I planned this out. But no, we got Isaac did you say Simpson. Malvin Massey? Did I hear that right? Yeah, the, yesterday's – you weren't listening to the show. Don't worry about it. I, well, I didn't have my – I was trying to get my headphones. No, no, no. You're good. Don't even show. worry about it. No, don't even worry R. about R. it. You just what let, a great guy. I'm unbelievable human being. Um, no, I said one of his sayings has we got a gift last yeah. night with the Tigers because of the trap. You know, the one yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. Oh, yeah. Today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. That's right. Heck, I might I might not have said it right the first time. I think no, I said I think, it right I, that I time. I could hear you kind of. I think you said it right. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, um, we ha- uh, got a very big gift because we have Isaac Simpson. I didn't plan it, but it's just how it rolls on a thirsty Thursday. We always talk with him. We're going to talk a lot of Tigers. We're going to talk about that basketball game last night, and we're going to do that at 1130. 12 o'clock, we got the Rebel Walks, founder and publisher. Also, wife to David Walker, former Texas A&M quarterback, and he also works at the Rebel Walk. Very, very informed football people. We're going to talk to her about Ole Miss. We're going to talk to her about the whole Nick Saban situation. What coaches does she think is going to replace him? And we're going to go down the whole rabbit hole. Yesterday was wild. Today's still wild. We'll talk about Bill Belichick and and Nick Saban. And I don't understand this. All of a sudden, Pete Carroll, who was yesterday, I feel so bad for him. Like, Pete Carroll just got one-upped, not once, but twice in 24 That's hours. Right. John, we actually have breaking news. Dan Lane Damn. has he, announced he's going to stay at Oregon. Really? Yes, that's coming out from On3 and also Chris Vanini from The Athletic is reporting it. Oh, it must be, it must be going to be Sark then. That's incredible. So you think it's going to be Sark? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know, man? I mean, I, I, I thought it was going to be landing. I did too. I thought 100%. In fact, in one of my texts here, I was, well, I don't want to go too far behind the curtains, but I'm sitting here guaranteeing you. I'm telling you, you watch. It's going to be Dan Lanning next 72 hours. It's coming down the pipe, boys and girls. But anyway, um, Dan Lanning says he's staying at Oregon. Damn, that's big news. Yeah, he posted a video on Twitter. Whoa, what is that? It's me watching Dan Lanning's video on Twitter. Oh, man. I was looking at my stuff. and I'm Where like, I'm guessing he announces he, to his team he's staying. Because he was supposed to have a – I think so, – so last night it was reported on a Eugene, Oregon uh, news channel – that he was that Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa, and then there were reports coming out that he was supposed to have a meeting with his team today, mm-hmm. but that he had pushed it back like two hours. And then that people, you know, how people do because people don't have lives, they started tracking like planes and stuff like that. And I was like, "Well, see if this plane that's coming from from Tuscaloosa or from somewhere in Alabama is landing in Oregon at this time." So that would make sense why he would push the. And so everyone was saying that was when he was going to tell his team he was taking the job at Alabama. It looks like. He told the team, yeah, psych, I'm staying. Nice, nice. That? Dylan Gabriel and the boys and the Ducks are going to be excited to hear that. Dan Lanning, um, damn, that was my uh, that was my guess. Well, now I guess we moved to Sark. It would be crazy, Texas, the year that they go to the SEC, they lose their head coach right before they uh, be dive up into that giant. To another SEC team. To Alabama, that would be wild. That would be wild. But, man, there's going to be a lot of wild stuff going on again. we got to talk about – Nick Saban, we got to talk about Bill Belichick, um, and again, we are going to talk about all kinds of things from, you know, uh, those out there who are singing their praises, and believe it or not, some people out there, they do have detractors. 
They also have fan bases all in a tizzy. And what I'm talking about is just in the SEC, every fan base outside of Alabama, possibly Ole Miss and maybe Texas who's coming, was celebrating like a madman. Because now they all believe that they can get to the top of the mountain. Maybe Georgia didn't have to celebrate, but they should because how many times have they beat Georgia? Luckily in the natty. Because Nick Saban owned a little Kirby Smart keister, if you know what I'm saying. He busted that. But, you know, every fan base, like yesterday, if you should you should have seen my phone. Like right when the news was coming out, I was listening to you and Brett, by the way, when it was breaking. And by the way, Brett was tripping me out yesterday. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, he was going in, wasn't he? He sure was. No, I mean Brett and two ninety seven boy. You, oh, sure was. And you texted him two ninety seven. That's why. That's why you have friends like you, John. Um, but yeah, no, Brett. Uh, you know, credit to him. He saw this coming, and he mm-hmm. he texted me a couple times uh, throughout the season talking about it. And yep. uh, then when it happened yesterday, I mean, I, I said it yesterday. I thought I was prepared for it, but it. I mean, it blew me away. Um, it's uh, it's it's a wild. And again, like I said, my phone yesterday from like some Tennessee fans that I'm friends with. Uh, hallelujah! LFG! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Um, then uh, oh, I got a lot of stuff I can't say. Um, then you got a, my a buddy uh, who tweets out, "Bama need a head coach," and they put a picture of Butch Jones in Alabama. <laughs> in Alabama. Oh yeah, I saw that. Red. Yeah. Um, and then there's like, you know, all these like, I mean, I got so much orange yesterday from Vols fans who are just celebrating like, let's go, baby. Nick's Good gone. Good for them. Um, They're excited. I got, a, you know, Ole Miss fans first yesterday. I got a bunch of texts from my Ole Miss friends. Dude, it's uh, like, uh, uh, we, 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 tell me we're not losing lane. Uh, we're not losing lane, right? Huh. The, the train is staying in Oxford, right? Uh, so yesterday it was, a, it's a, there's an entire mix of emotions out there. People who love them. People who can't stand them because they lost to him, and the same with Bill Belichick. I mean, you got to think about what Bill Belichick did in his 24 years in New England. They are impressive. Now, the last ones without Tom Brady, absolutely abysmal, absolutely abysmal. But this is a dude who won 17 division titles in the AFC East. He owned that damn junt. You know what I mean? Like, if mm-hmm. you're the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, or the New York Jets, you got to be like. I know he ain't been great late, but I don't want it to come back. I don't want him to come back and take everything away from us. Um, and again, one other little sidebar, and we're going to talk about him as well, is you have to feel for Pete Carroll because as I am at home, when my show's over, right after that happens is when Pete Carroll's let go. So I'm, you know, listening to like the NFL network talk all their business and Listening to a bunch, you know, reading a bunch of BS, and Pete Carroll, you know, won a college natty, won a Super Bowl, played in another. I mean, those are like Pete Carroll is the creme de la creme bomb. He ran LA when he was at USC. He turned Seattle into a loser into a damn Super Bowl champ. Pete Carroll, hell of a coach. And he just, again, got one up not once but twice because Nick Saban decides, well, Pete Carroll's gone. Let me jump up in this bad boy. I ain't going to let him take all my glory. It's my day. It's my day. And then Bill's like, all right, I'm going to take take tomorrow, uh, Nick. I'm going to take tomorrow. And you got to also think about all just the whole crazy situation about these coaches leaving. I can talk about all their accolades, and everybody out there has pretty much talked about all their accolades. These coaches were absolutely ridiculous. But I would I want to bring in that but. Bill Belichick, I mean, he's unbelievable. Um, and the one thing that you can basically – I think the biggest reasons that you can believe Belichick is the GOAT is basically – the unabashed praise that comes out from his players, players on other teams, players across the entire league, current and former, like if they played with them or they didn't play with them, it didn't matter. Every dude who's talked about him had mad respect. And that is, that is again, something like that, uh, that, you know, the six Super Bowl titles is pretty damn good, by the way. But also the fact that it feels like every single person that you ever single – every single professional athlete inside and out the NFL 
has nothing but the highest regard of this man. And it seems like he's an a-hole in his press conferences. But, you know, you hear how, like, you know, he how different he is behind the scenes and actually with his team and the people he interacts with. And he's one hell of a coach. And he's also – I heard this from Mike Greenberg today, and I thought this was great. The one thing also about Belichick retiring is whether you're celebrating him or you're, um, you know, celebrating the fact that, he you know, his career, he's retired, you're a Patriots fan, you love him. Or if you're, again, an AFC foe and you're like, man, respect, but damn, I'm just glad this man's not coaching in this division anymore so we can own it. Um, the thing I was also going to – like what Green, Mike Greenberg said, though, what made me think was interesting is he is a bridge to an era that now, like, that bridge is gone. And what I mean back is you got to remember, go all the way back. This dude coached with Bill, Bar- Bill Parcells. He coached Lawrence Taylor. You know, these are – this is generations – these are complete different eras of football, and he basically brought the old to the new as far as you can go back. And now, you know, you kind of lose a little bit of that. I thought that was something – that's an angle I never thought to look at. I thought that was very interesting, and it's and it's 100% true. Again, though, you're going to have a lot of detractors out there. A lot of people have lost a lot of games and fans to Bill Belichick and probably don't like him. And people will also say that, you know, uh, without TB12 taking a snap under him as head coach, he doesn't have a single Super Bowl. But Tom has one without him. But I think the the one thing that you could basically say, the worst that Bill Belichick, the, he was the best at roster management. And what I mean is financial. He's the guy who came to the conclusion in the salary cap era, it's better to cut a player a year early then sign him a year too long. So he would, you know, he he would move off talent, and that's how they, you know, ran the cap. But he's been absolutely terrible with first round picks, especially on offense. I want you to think about these numbers. The Patriots have only had one first round selection since 2012 go to the Pro Bowl. And do you know who that was? I don't. That was Mac Jones. They've also only had one offensive Pro Bowl from any round since 2005, of course not named Tom Brady. That other person, Mac Jones, both times. Wow. And by the way, Tom Brady was never a first-round pick, so that second one, like, you know, first-round pick since 2005. A first-round pick since 2005. The only player to make it to a Pro Bowl was Mac Mac Jones in his rookie season. And they're about to send him out the door, by the way. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he's done. Bailey Zappi finished out playing quarterback in New England because they're so done with Mac Jones. It's also funny. Mac Jones uh, also played under Nick Saban. Nick Saban was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator in Cleveland. A lot of, you know, parallels. They're good buddies. But Belichick, again, roster management was revolutionary. His drafting in the first few rounds is, you know, basically, especially for offense, were absolutely terrible. And then Nick Bleepin' Saban, like, think about it. His name is Nick Bleeping Saban. Like, that's just in a in a sense, isn't that the goat? Like, bro, I wish people were like, man, that's you know, that's uh, that's John Harden over there. That's John Bleepin' Harden. You know what I mean? That just takes on a different, like, bro, that's Nick Bleepin' Saban. And that's what everybody, you know, basically in the South calls them. (laughs) It's absolutely, uh, it's kind of fascinating. It's interesting to see what everybody's saying about both of them. And uh, I don't know, man. We're going to find out now who Alabama, you know, probably in the next 72 hours, who in at least the next week, I would say, they want to move pretty quickly, who they poach. And then the next domino of all is what coach, I mean, if they bring in, um, like you say, Sark, now Texas is looking to poach. And those dominoes start to fall. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryan's played at Alabama. He's got the Texans in the playoffs. Out of the box thought. There's a, You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of coaches out there, but, uh, you know, who replaces Nick Saban in Alabama is going to be fascinating. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be interesting. And I, I'm just kind of curious. As much as people were talking about Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, it's not much, not as much as Bill Belichick, like Gerard Mayo, Mike Vrabel, 
you know, these are some people that you can, you know, see following Bill in his, you know, in his footsteps. But also because Bill's been so bad and the Patriots have been so bad the last few years, it's not as big of a deal. But replacing Nick Saban at Alabama, I mean, with how many minutes in the third quarter was it? Like six minutes left in the fourth quarter? I mean, didn't Al- I mean, Alabama had the lead over Michigan. That's right. And they just fell apart down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Completely fell apart. They were this close. And by the way, this is a good job by Nick Saban this year. This is a team that at the beginning of the year was terrible. They didn't have a quarterback. Jalen, they couldn't figure Tommy Reese and Jalen Milrow, and that offense couldn't get on the right page. And then they found themselves winning the SEC championship, knocking Georgia out of the uh, opportunity to play for a natty, and then taking Michigan, you know, they, you know, right there to the end. I mean, they had, I mean, they had a hell of a season. He did a hell of a job this year. So replacing him. It feels so much heavier, and it's also because of the six national championships that he got at Bama. Don't forget the one he got at LSU. It feels bigger for Nick than it does for Belichick to me. I'm not saying one coach is better than the other. I mean, I'm just saying, I guess maybe is it because we're in the South? Maybe. I'm wondering what what y'all think. 901-360-8255. 901-360-8255. Out of the goats that just bounced, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they're both immortalized. They're both going to, you know, people will talk about them as the goats. I guess which one's legacy would you rather have? Which one's more meaningful to you and Why? For some reason, I feel like Nick Saban, what he did, and I know that he didn't make it in the Dolphins in the National Football League. But if we're going to talk about, oh, he could coach in college and the pros, so he's the better coach, well, then we would talk about Jimmy Johnson. We would talk about Pete Carroll. People who, I mean, hell, we'd have to throw in Barry Switzer, who won national championships as a college coach and the Super Bowl. But I'm I'm not you know kind of saying like who's the best coach who is more like who's shat who who casts the bigger shadow like who casts like following in their footsteps I guess is also that's why it feels Nick Saban to me because who replaces Bill Belichick doesn't feel as big as who replaces Nick Saban like nobody thought anybody could replace the Bear and he didn't replace the Bear but nobody ever thought that the Bear was going to be basically second fiddle to anyone, and Nick Saban came in there and cast a bigger shadow than the Bear. And in replacing him, I feel like, is a much more difficult job, not just because of you know college football being you know the NIL and the transfer portal situation, not just because of that, just because of the shadow that you know is Nick Saban. And by the way, Nick Saban retired. I just also want to say something. I want to remind all you people, if Bill Belichick, which... He was basically fired. He made it clear that he wanted to come back to the organization in some type of role, like a diminished capacity, you would say. He wasn't going to be the coach. He wasn't going to be in charge. He was going to be an advisor or something, you know, like make up some role. Not a Bruce Arians role where he's pushing paper clips and just being, you know, doesn't have anything sitting in his office drinking, I don't know, Tito's. Right. He wanted to still stay. And again, he was there 24 years. But the Patriots said no. So if if Bill Belichick can get fired, I would like to remind all of you, anybody can get fired. Bro, it made me, you know what it made me, when I thought about that, I said to myself, damn, Bill can get fired. I could get fired really easily. Uh, that's a good point. kind of like my job. Yeah. I know y'all don't think I work. I work all the time. I was watching that Tiger game last night, working. That's me. That's my job, man. It's a fun one. But damn, um, if Bill Belichick can get fired, anybody can. Now, we do have to switch gears. See you, Coach Saban. Oh, and I agree with um, everything that you and David Cohn said yesterday and Brett Norsworthy. Maybe Nick Saban can come in there and maybe save college football and the NCAA like could take a, a role, hell, make him the president of that junt and kind of somehow figure out 
how name, image, and likeness can be a little bit more fair. And and I guess to where it doesn't become just a 40-team league. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I still want college football to be across the country. And yes, I know it's going to touch every corner. But you don't want it to be like, you know, a, you know, 40 teams or, you know, the only people, you know, like you only pay attention to them because that would say uh, that, that would be terrible for Memphis. It's one selfish reason that I don't, you know, I want it to be, I guess, you know, I guess the rules need to be fixed and tweaked. No, I'm, I'm with you. On and that. that would also, I think, benefit the student athlete and uh, fans, universities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't be so many shady characters somehow in there. But um, we got to switch gears again. Tigers, we got to talk about. That was um, that was something. Again, uh, huge, huge, like the trap. Without the trap, that's a trap. They were down four. They score. They trap. They get the ball back. Wow. Jordan puts it in. They all tied up. They just had to survive a simple shot that was missed. But they had to survive it. Go into overtime. The Tigers won that bad boy. Started off good with Javon Quinterly hitting the three and getting found a little four-point play. They took care of business in overtime. And winning that game was important. I know a lot of fans were furious on the X. But, bro, Central Florida knocked off Kentucky last night. Mississippi Kansas, State. Kansas, I mean Kansas. Kansas. Who did I say? Kentucky. Sorry, Kansas. I knew that. I know you did. I'm just again, my brain's still there'd not be, completely. There'd be working. no way UCF and, and Kentucky would be playing right now. Yeah. So I know you knew. Kansas, I knew that. Right? Just for anybody who it was 65-60. Yeah, I just didn't want someone calling and go. That was the final story. They, right? They didn't beat Kentucky. They beat thank Kansas. You, thank you. Thank you. I, I misspeak again. My brain is not completely healed after the flu or something. Uh, Mississippi State dropped Tennessee. Got that one right. 77, sure 72. That's a two seed, a five seed. We also had yesterday the one in the two seed. Uh, Houston fell. Purdue fell. What did I say? You're saying seeds. It's rankings. Rankings, whatever. Man, I'm going to just listen. Thank you for putting up with me while my. Again, I could get fired. I'm just trying to help you, John. No, no, I just talked about it. If Bill Belichick can get fired, I can get fired. And lately, my brain hadn't been working all week. I'm going to try to get through this. But we are going to talk a lot about the Tigers. They did get the win. Um, and we're going to talk about that with Isaac Simpson. So don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Sports 56, 98, 5FM. Start your day with Sports 56 mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The only power source capable of generating 1.21 gigawatts of electricity is a bolt of lightning. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio, hanging out with Brian Dacus all day long here on a Thirsty Thursday, but it's 1130 and you know what we do. We talk with Isaac Simpson from the TigerSportsReport.com. And don't forget, eat those Grizzlies. We're going to talk a little Tigers. We're going to talk a little Grizz. Um, but first, I want to ask Dacus real quick. So you're going to be out to Sissies today? That's right. From 3 to 6, it's their grand opening. They uh, had some ceremonies this morning, so we'll be out there. Come out. We'll be giving away prizes. I, I was just told we got shirts. If you want a Sports 86 shirt, stop by. You get one. Man, it's the one right there in front of um, East Sporta at uh, Poplar and Perkins. That's right. Yes. So so come out. It's a beautiful building. We were out there for their soft uh, opening uh, about a month ago. Um, so, yeah, a beautiful building. Come out there. They've got, uh, I mean, just some very exquisite jewelry. Uh, Sissy's Log Cabin. That's Life's right. too ordinary. Nope. Too. What is it? Life's too short for ordinary. Ju- jewelry, Damn it! I no. knew ordinary was in there, brother. <laughs> I like the one I wrote. Sissy's Log Cabin coming into your world. I, I like I, it. I just stole that junk. But what up, Isaac? 
Man, what, what, what up, John? I'm doing all right. How are you? Man, I'm blessed. I'm alive, and the Tigers got to win. It was ugly. It was <laughs> it was bleeping ugly, 107-101 in overtime. Uh, there were some positives you could talk about again. Um, you know, when we get into this, first and foremost, the, they got the win. We've seen four of the top five teams in the country go down in the in the last 48 hours. So, you know, winning is the most important thing. If you listen to Javon Quinterly after the game, he, you know, said, you know, anybody can win in this league on any given night. Getting the dub is the most important. We'll get back in the lab and fix things up. But, you know, getting the win is uh, what they did. And they needed all 25 points from Quinterly. David Jones, who had 26. Jordan, uh, I thought was phenomenal. But, dude, he keeps airballing dead gum free throw. The last two games in a row, he's airballed a free throw. That's is such a good player. He was part of the trap and score. Um, big games out of them, but man, defense was absolutely abysmal and terrible. What do you think about the game, Isaac? Um, I'm 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 a little bit confused. Like I, I agree with the the sentiment. Like you said, it's definitely no debate that it's better to get the win. It beats the alternative. It's better than losing basketball games, but. It's weird to among, among the fan base. It seems to be this this sentiment that everything is fine as long as they win. Like they're they're oh. not concerned at all about. No, no, that's us. I think I think that's fans yeah. mostly trying to put that you know positive spin, look around. But if like from from the most of the things that I saw at least last night on Twitter, like good lord, man, people were going in. I just you know typed in Penny Hardaway when it was. Yeah, like, I'm, <laughs> I must have a different feed because mine was like completely the opposite like people are really being a, a, a apologist yeah about what's going on and people are like oh well at least tennessee lost and you look at tennessee, the loser at mississippi state is not the same as going to overtime with the 285th team in the net i mean you're the 13th ranked team in the country and the last five games they've just not showed up against vastly inferior competition now that doesn't mean that that's going to continue maybe they come out sunday and they look awesome, and they go back to the team they were in non-con and look great down the line. But they're playing with fire. If they continue to play the way that they played the last five games, especially when they go on the road, I mean, you definitely didn't expect that at home, but definitely on the road, these teams are going to be packed crowds. They're going to be ready to play them. They're going to end up dropping one of these games. And the difference when people compare teams like Tennessee or these other top teams that are ranked when they when they lose a game, they have good it's games different. Following. It's different because they have – the opportunity in conference to make up for those losses. If Memphis loses one of these games, it's devastating. Uh, they they can't afford to lose to these sub two hundred teams because they don't have any way to make up for it. And people are like, "Oh well, I don't care about the net or anything like that." And that's fine that you say you don't care about it. But when you you're a twenty point favorite and you play in these bad teams and you don't cover that spread, you continue to drop in the net. And when you continue to drop in the net, when you're in Memphis's position, that matters. Whether you want to admit that it matters or not, it's going to matter on Selection Sunday. So you need to come out when you play these teams. People say a win is a win, and technically that's correct. But in difference of condition, it's a situation being in the conference they're in and don't have a lot of opportunity to kind of raise that net now that non-con is over. It matters. Style points matter um, in this situation. Um, and I just think even beyond that, I think people should be just concerned about how they're playing. I mean, they're just not playing well right now. And, again, if that continues to just win, baby, it's going to run out. The clock is going to strike midnight. If they go up there and play Sunday up to Wichita, the way that they played these last five they're games, going down. I got a feeling they're going to come out there with a L. Yeah, uh, they got to fix something. And, again, of course, Penny last night was saying, you know, uh, you know, sometimes the guys just go out, got to go out there and play. Um, you know, they know everything. We practice everything in practice. We do all the, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, and these, sometimes the guys just got to go out there and, you know, be men and play basketball. And there is a difference. Like if you were in that house and you watched the, the intensity against Clemson, the intensity against Virginia, there was completely a different. completely different. They look like, I mean, they look like they just got, they just rolled out of a brothel, man, in that first 10, five minutes of the game. And hell, at the end of the game, they still couple of them looking like they were, you know, still weak in the knees. Um, the intensity is totally different. I'm curious, though. Crowds are also totally different in those games. Do you think it's a lot of people say, well, if people would show up, you know, these kids, you know, if the, these crowds affect them. I'm kind of curious where you stand on that because, again, on my weird feed, these are some of the arguments and 
things that people are complaining about. In one in the defense, uh, a lot of people were blaming the fact that the crowd doesn't show up and it affects the kids. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Last night, I can agree with the crowd wasn't there, but for Vanderbilt and SMU, there were there was a, a a really good crowd there, and they weren't involved. They just for a lot of times wasn't giving them anything to cheer about. Uh, that crowd really came alive at that SMU game when they kind of made that run in the second half. It was loud in there. There's no no question about that. So I don't think you can really blame it on that. I, I just think, and a lot of people kind of said, oh, this coincided with, with Naquan Tomlin coming to the team. And I think that's just a coincidence. I think I think this started when the competition dropped off. Uh, when they were intense, they won those three games in a row against those ranked teams. Texas and then once Centerville happened, they just, yep. yeah, they seem to have lost focus. And I think that's what it is. And Penny has talked about it, and, and as you said, he said at halftime that he told these guys that these teams are going to be coming for him, man. they got to be ready, and there's only so much he can do uh, as far as trying to get these guys up for these games. Like, I get, like, you're not looking across and seeing a ranked team or a named team. You're playing UTSA on, on a, a Wednesday night, and you're thinking, oh, man, we can just show up and beat these teams. they they got to understand, man, that you got they got to have a mentality that, these teams are going to be gunning for us. We're the marked team now uh, in this conference, and, and these teams are playing loose. They have nothing to lose, and they're going to be coming for us. And I, I didn't really expect to see this at home, and we've kind of seen it at home in two different games with SMU and, and UTSA. I thought it'd be more so on the road, but now it last night. I mean that because that UTSA team is not good at all. I'm saying that's one of the worst teams in the country, man. And have to go to overtime, give up 101 points to that team. It's just almost unbelievable. I, I hope that's the wake up call. Because you look down this, this schedule, and I think there are several landmines coming up. I think I, I put out five games that kind of really concerned me on the road level on the schedule. At Wichita State's one of them. they got to go to Tulane, which has kind of been a house of horrors for the Tigers as of late. Uh, they still got to go to SMU. North Texas is a solid team. they got those games coming up in February. Still still got to go to FAU. So they those games, those teams, those games aren't going to be easy. If you look at the UAB game, I'll actually be there down there covering that one. I'm actually going to Dallas for the North Texas SMU back to back as well. The, those crowds, I mean, they've already said the lower bowl is sold out for the UAB game coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. They call it the Bartow Classic. Uh, so it, 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 those teams are going to be ready, man. They got to they got to play better, man. If not, they're going to end up taking one of these losses. And it's if they lose one of these games, people are going to see how much that net and how much that stuff matters if they drop one of these games because they're they're going to drop like a rock if they Damn. lose any of these things. That's a very that's a that's a very good point. You know. Um, as much as confusing as the net is, like a, it's a metric. Like it definitely doesn't make any sense because you got make... SMU ahead of Memphis right now, which makes no sense. Like they get head to head victory over them, and they haven't even played the type of schedule. Don't have the wins that Memphis has, but somehow they're ahead of it. Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of Americans don't understand the metric system, which you know, it's cool. We don't usually do it, but like that. Yeah, a lot metric... of third math goes into that, man. That, that's Above above my pay grade, I don't get into all that computer stuff that they're dealing with. You know how they come up with that? I that's what I was going to say. I have no idea. I don't get it. Like I, I'll never understand <laughs> it. I mean, it's like it, it's again, it's way too tough for me to figure out. But you're right. If they uh, don't fix things quickly, they're going to be screwed. But you know, you talked about um, your feed. I was just going to you know read something. You know, like you were talking about basically people defending it my feet i guess we do have different ones like you know uh this gentleman yeah because i was like i couldn't believe it i was like man I, I like i get it but like you're not concerned about the way this team's playing is at all right now like you're the 13th ranked team in the country and you're struggling utsa i think it's it's time to have a conversation about this something needs to change i don't think there's any question about it like at will go tigers go 901 or at you know GTG yeah will you know will uh <laughs> shout out he he's he was he was going in last night Memphis down at half seven uh, to seven and eight UTSA one of the worst teams in the country Absolute, absolutely absolutely embarrassment he's like terrible <laughs> defense terrible offense stupid ass lineups we're losing penny not up by twenty I think a blowout loss is what this team needs and it's coming real soon at this rate uh, there was again a bunch of other people who chimed in. And they were going absolutely ham. Uh, basically, what another person put it, Memphis deserved to lose this game 100%. Uh, some people were talking about how the refs, the fact the Tigers shot 43 free throws, UTSA shot only 21. I mean, there was just all kinds. Of, like, my feed was just getting buck last night. Yeah, that, yeah that, that, I, I saw some of the – there was a few people on there that was, but for the majority of the people in my feed, they're just kind of like, it, it doesn't really matter. Don't Don't talk about it until they lose. You know, and 
I, I got to ask you. I'm sorry. I got to interrupt something. Like Jay Morgan was trying to explain this to me. How come everybody's feeds different? I, I don't know. It, it's weird, man. I guess I get all the loonies, man, because I have some crazy stuff going on. Good go going on in my, my Twitter feed. Always have, man. It, but it, it, like I said, man, it, it's fine. It, of course, it's better to win. But it's like you're driving over a bridge with cracks in it. You see the cracks, and you're saying, "I'm not going to worry about it until I drive over the bridge falls." Like that. That's kind of what what that is when you're saying it doesn't matter just as long as they win, but it, it foreshadows danger because they're going to play teams that are much better than UTSA. None of these teams are great in this conference, but they're going to play teams that are better. On Sunday, they're going on the road to a team that's much better than UTSA, and if they play like that, they're going to, they're going to lose, man. It's just, it is what it is. They're not going to be able to play like this and do what they need to do in conference. Like They're going to take multiple losses if they don't get better than this, and that's not like I said, they could completely turn it around on Sunday and go up there and look like the team that we saw at non-con and from then on sweep the rest of the season because they have that that, that talent level. Mm-hmm. And that's what's frustrating about it because they should be blowing these teams out. If you you saw what, what this team did at non-con, they don't have any business struggling with this level of team. It's just kind of weird to see. And I think it's basically mostly rooted in focus and want to right now. And the other thing, I want to talk about actually some stuff that's going on the court and what I believe, I mean, just throwing this out there. Uh, I scream in my television a lot. I scream all the time. Um, and one thing I scream about when I watch the Tigers is I don't understand why we defend 50 feet. Like, you know, the, the yeah. we'll defend, we'll defend, and there's 10 seconds on the shot clock. We'll go out 50 feet from the damn basket. They'll b- either blow by us, drop, get, a lay- do that. get a layup, or they'll kick it out to a wide-open three-pointer. By the way, that's why they shot hit 17 threes last night. And or or they'll set a pick the other team, and then Malcolm or Naquan will get in a foul. It's always a positive. Why do they do that? Yeah, we we see that with, with both of our teams here in the city. The Grizzlies do the same same thing. Uh, very, very similar kind of thing. They they defend way from the basket, and over and over UTSA they weren't doing anything special. They get that same play to get that open corner three every time, and they would leave it. They would allow them to do it, and I just didn't understand. Like they never made any adjustment. Uh, to it, it is just happened the entire game, and, and I remember that play that you talking about, Naquan Tumbling. The end of the game, they were like four seconds on the shot clock, fifth, and he fucked the guy. I'm like, what is, what, is, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I, like you got, like, it's like four seconds on the shot clock, and you bell him out and put him on the free throw line. If the, not for that foul, the game there, there were several times where they could have ended that game in regulation, and they just just couldn't do it. Um, I, I think Penny kind of ice Quinley. Quinley looked like he had a lane to the basket. Uh, that, that possibly could have been a game-winning layup, and Penny called the timeout. I don't, I don't hate the timeout in that situation, but felt like he kind of might have messed his own guy up there. He did and, mess and his own guy up there. And by yeah. the way, again, my feed, and also me yelling at the TV, call the damn timeout before you inbound the ball if you're going to call it at three seconds because you don't have anything set up. Yeah. Like, I mean, that I, that I shot they got that. off is was straight. Man, people were going in like you would not believe and that was like a lot of people were saying, that's exactly what we're talking about. Those who, you know, are penny detractors. Don't give them yeah, the ammo. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, any, any coach is going to make, make mistakes. I think Penny is a fantastic coach. I think that was a mistake I there. I, I agree with you. I think if you're going to call a timeout there, you just call a timeout initially. Uh, you don't wait till, till a guy gets momentum going toward the basket. Um, I, I think the timeout was needed there. It just should have been called called earlier. All right, how are we gonna um, how are we gonna look at uh, how do you look at these last few games? You know, um, as a fan, are you just supposed to? I mean, like, are, are we upset? Are we are we happy? Are we satisfied? How should we honestly feel? I, I think you're you're happy that they won all of them. Uh, God, God, thank God that they didn't lose because I mean that long. If they had lost to UTSA, man, that would have been. I'm just saying absolutely different. I was like, that team is 285 um, in the net. Like, no telling how much they would have dropped if they had lost that game. I mean, you could, even if they had lost some of the other ones, it wouldn't have been as bad as losing the UTSA. So thank God that they were able to pull those games out. And I think as a fan, I get the sentiment that you want to win the games, and they won all five of them. There's no question about that. My thing is that it just foreshadows bad things to come if they continue this this way. And that's that's where I am on it. Like it, it's great that they won the game; they're fourteen and two, and nothing you can say about that. But it's just the focus just isn't there. And if that focus isn't doesn't continues to be the same as it is now, 
to just win, it's going to run out. Like like I said earlier, that you go go to Wichita State, you go to Tulane, uh, you go to SMU, even at UAB. If you don't have that focus, one of these teams is going to jump on you. They have these slow starts, and you're not going to be able to get back in these games. They've been able to fight back and hit last-second shots. Eventually, that, that luck is going to go on the other side, and you're going to take a bad loss, and that's just not what you want to see, and that's my concern right now. Um, I'm just hoping maybe, especially because UTSA is a, even different than the other ones we saw, maybe that's the wake-up call they need, and maybe they go up to Wichita State and smash them on Sunday. I'm hoping Daquan Walton, you saw him come around a little bit last night. He's starting to hit shots that look like the guy that we thought he was coming in here. He's going up to face his former team. He even said it after the game that it's going to be a little bit different there. Uh, it's not going to be empty like it was at Tulsa. When, when, if they go come out and have a slow start against Wichita State, that, that crowd's going to get on top of them, and it's going to be tough to come back. So he knows. I'm hoping he has a big game because um, he looks like he's kind of coming around. So that's an opportunity for him to kind of get some, I guess, quasi-revenge, so to speak, um, against his former team in his old stomach ground. So that would be fun to see on Sunday. Tigers, the bad thing, gave up 94 points to UTSA in the regulation. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's rough, man. That is rough. But, hey, they did get the dub. Um, again, we also, you know, Nick Jordan's been playing great. Uh, David Jones, clearly. We got a lot of things. But like you said, uh, I think Jaquan Walton's also found his shot again. There are positives, and maybe they'll be fired up and ready to go against Wichita State, and we won't even be talking about this next week. But we got to take a quick timeout, Isaac, because we haven't even talked Grizzlies. We do that on the other side right here on Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. All the wisdom of the universe is in these bones. <laughs> Now back to Sports 56 Happy Hour on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again, Johnny Radio. Welcome back to a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio hanging out here with Brian Dacus and of course... It is Thirsty Thursday. You know we've been talking Tigers with Isaac Simpson. Follow him at Isaac, double the underscore NBA. Also check out his work at TigersportsReport.com. And don't forget, we're talking Grizzlies. Sports Ethos is the place. It's at Ethos Grizzlies on the Twitter. Uh, he does podcasts on all kinds of business. Make sure you check him out. And he joins me every Thirsty Thursday. Thank you, Tito's. What up, Isaac? Man, what up, what up? Man, did you see uh, Marcus Smart? Um, is going to be reevaluated uh, in six weeks. Yeah. Um, what? They, 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 and like you said, they didn't even say return in six weeks. They said reevaluated um, in six weeks. Which I don't know who has the Grizzlies voodoo doll out, but they need to need to put it up. And I think we've had enough. I'm yelling, Uncle, like I don't want any more uh, of whatever this negativity in this hex is that seems to be on this franchise right now. Man, they just can't. Can't catch a break. Is that Marcus, bad juju, bro? Yeah, man. Marcus kind of after the game, he was positive, thinking, "Okay, well, it's not broken. Like I'm, I'm good to go. This might be a couple games, man." And you get the six week news, man. It's just, just crazy. Um, yeah, I, I by said, the I'm way, not. If you're wondering, so I thought it was just basically he had a, like a normal dislocation. It's a rupture of his proximal interphalangeal uh, joint, his central slip. And I'm not a doctor, but that sounds serious. Yeah, um, and they said severe. Uh, that it's a severe type of injury. Like I, I like I said, I don't know that. A rupture is always language, severe. Means, but yeah, yeah, that that sounds sounds pretty bad. Sounds painful. Uh, sounds very very painful. So looks like they're going to be without him. You say six weeks. That's past the all star break. I mean, it's getting to the point now. And, and I'm not a a guy that's going to go out and root for losses or anything like that. Especially when you kind of look at their situation. Um, you look at the standings. And even with what they have going on, they're they they they'd be six probably in, in six right now in the lottery kind of lottery order. It, it would be kind of hard for them to move up to five or higher, barring them getting luck in the lottery. So they're kind of locked in somewhere six, seven, eight is probably where they're going to land, just even organically. 
Um, so it's not a lot of incentive to go out and lose more games. But I think at this point, you, you got guys, you, you overwork at Dez, you overwork at Darren. I think if there are times that you, nice, you want to give those guys night off or shorter minutes when guys are banged up, kind of rest them, I, I think you just kind of go into that because I think at this point, you, you don't have smart. I mean, things were looking okay. He's been playing really, 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 really well, and you saw what they did on that road trip. Now that you don't have him either, man, it's just they're just in a rough spot right now, man. I, I think it might be time to kind of kind of let any thoughts of this season being a wild or any kind of success go. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be honest. I've already come to the conclusion, here's what I want the Grizzlies to do. We're tanking for Caitlin Clark. <laughs> Get her here in the Grizzlies <laughs> uniform. She can hit the threes. She's man, the best there, basketball too, player man. on the earth right now. I'm telling you, tank for Caitlin Clark. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> tanking is not fun, um, and, it, and it's just not exciting. But right now, I feel like the front office, and I'm not saying you tank. Like, you don't go out there. Nobody goes out there and purposely loses basketball games. But now it's you just basically have to evaluate what you got in Zaire Williams, what you got in Jake Lorvavia, David Roddy. Uh, bring up, you know, figure out still what you have with, uh, you know, Mr. Williams, uh, you know, Vince. Um, I feel like that's where you just have to evaluate really what you got going forward um, and start looking towards next year. I hate to say it. Yeah, but speaking of Vince Williams Jr., man, it's fantastic to get him on that three-year, $7.9 billion deal with a team option for a fourth. That, that's going to end no up being joke. the best contract in the NBA. Like, I don't think there's any question. The value that he brings, because you look around the league, you got guys making $19, 20000000 million, like Luke Kennard, for instance, making like $19 million. Is mm-hmm. he that much more valuable to you than Vince Williams Jr., that much better player? That just shows you how great that contract is. And he, he earned it. Like, I don't think he, he probably – wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if it wasn't for attrition, but I'm glad that he got a chance to go out there and show this franchise, his front office, his coaching staff what he could do, man. He got got rewarded for it, man. So I'm glad he's locked up here, going to be here for probably four more years at least. So I think they got a, a steal with him on that contract. You know what he does on the defensive end. Uh, don't have to run plays for him. Just has a knack of making great plays. He rebounds, uh, not can knock down a three at a decent clip. He's just a winning player. Um, so and they've been looking for a guy like that on a wing. I think it also makes Zaire Williams his importance not because it was big. You needed Zaire to kind of pan out to, to be something. And I think getting Vince Williams Jr. to to, to be to, to see what player he is, I think that kind of negates that a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you get him with like second round, close to fiftieth pick. Um, yeah, and he's tearing it up in the end. Like you said, locking him up for three point seven. I'm glad my man's got a little bit of bread right now. But, bro, for $3.7 million to do all that he does, that's pretty sick. Um, pretty sick. But also, he's also a big reason that they've somehow won these last three games. You know, huge over fourth quarter against the Lakers on the road. Ridiculous fourth quarter against the Suns with no jaw. No problem. But remember, Marcus Smart was a big part of that win. Um, yeah. He was dropping, you know, 28, 29 points back-to-back in those games, hitting threes and doing everything. Um, so missing him is going to be huge. We know Jaw's gone. Again, I think you just have to start, you know, evaluating what you have left on the roster, bring other things up, pieces, and try to figure out what you got. But they did win also against the Mavericks, and now they play Friday against the Clippers. For the gambling public, do they? Do you think with all the negativity that's still gone around? I mean, you got three straight wins on the road, which they're better on the road, which is crazy. Um, and now they come back to the house. Like, the Clippers are going to have to be, what, 10-point favorites in this game? Yeah, I, I, I would think so, no question. You hope, especially if Jaron doesn't play. Now, Jaron was questionable uh, against Dallas. Sunday Adama was also out. He was doubtful. So, with, with this team, usually if a guy's questionable, that means that they'll probably play the next game. So, I would expect Jaron to be back out there tomorrow night. But Smart was a big part of, of what they were doing. And that road trip was crazy. I mean, to go 3-0 and against the Lakers, Suns and Mavericks, even if this team was at full health, had Steven Adams and, and everybody, that would have been impressive. Like, I still would have said, man, they, they, they're not going 3-0 and on this trip. So that was impressive. I think probably one of the most improbable road trips in the history of this team in Memphis. Like, that's how crazy that was for them to go 3-0 and on that trip. But I think it, it, at some point, just reality is going to set in. I mean, guys are going to get tired. They're going to get banged up. I don't know how long they can keep up. That, that great effort that, that we've seen once reality sets in and we're not going to have smart for six weeks, Jaw's gone. I think mentally at some point 
going to check out. But guys like guys like Dez and, and, and Tripp, they're going to go out there and play hard. I don't have any question about that. It's just going to be how the front office handles this, how the coaching staff handles it. Like you said, evaluating some of the younger guys at this point. I mean, why put Jake the Cravey out there, man? Put these young guys out there. There's no reason not to, man. It's just kind of see what you have and who's going to be a part of this team going forward and who's, who's not. I think that's a, what they can use for the rest of the season, man, to be evaluation time. Man, Isaac, I can't believe uh, our time is already gone. I could talk to you all day about this stuff. Uh, we've been talking Grizzlies and Tigers. You want more of it? Make sure you check out those Grizzlies podcasts. Tell everybody how they can find them, Isaac. Yeah, man, Eddie, those Grizzlies got one up like, uh, that we recorded last night, Candace Higgins and my, myself breaking down all the hot topics. A lot going on with the Grizz right now, man, so we got a lot to discuss. To discuss. So you can check the timeline or you go over to Eddie, those Grizzlies. Find that. Also, TigerSportsReport.com and my personal Twitter feed, Isaac, double underscore NBA. Now, personal, some personal business with you real quick before I have to say goodbye. I want to wish you luck. Cowboys, are they going to go, are they going to pull it out and beat up on the Green Bay Packers this weekend? Man, I, with, with the Cowboys, I never want to be overconfident, but they are just flat out better than that team in, in every aspect. I mean, this is a, a game that they should just roll, man. They're at home. You, you talk about a young team, Jordan Love, youngest young quarterback. Youngest team first. in the NFL yeah. this year and the youngest team to ever make the playoffs. Yeah, man, they, they don't have playoff experience. I don't know who they have that can cover uh, C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to have a big thing. And, and the biggest thing in this game, I think the, the Cowboys have, have struggled to run the football this season. But I think against Green Bay, Green Bay, is it, it, their rush defense is terrible. Like, they've struggled all year against the run. I think Dallas is going to be able to come out and establish the run. And if you get let Tony Pollard get get going on this team, adding that to what they do with the passing game, I don't know how you stop that Cowboys offense. Man, well, Sunday you should be celebrating around 630, my, bro, my friend. Be blessed, Isaac. We'll do it again next Thursday. Will do, man. Talk to you next week. That's my buddy Isaac Simpson. Now we get to talk to the wonderful Evie Van Pelt from the Rebel Walk. we got to talk all kinds of things. I've been looking at the betting lines over here, by the way, during the show. And I've been looking at them yesterday. Uh, bet, bet online. Um, I think it's AG on the Twitter, Bet Online AG. Uh, they put out the odds, and you can actually bet on who's going to be the favorite to be replacing Nick Saban. The odds have changed. I'll talk about that and more on the other side. Sports 5698 5FM. Mm-hmm.